Blog Talk Radio. Go With Angels is more than the title of Mary Brotherton's debut book. It's her wish for you and your loved ones. Join her on her podcast every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time as she talks about angels and messengers from the spirit world. Of course, she'll talk about her book and the inspiration behind it, too. Call 516-418-5651 after 11 on Friday mornings to share your stories about angelic encounters. Good morning, everybody. It is 11 o'clock on on, um, October 27th. Hold on one second. I'm going to play something really fast for you while I um, take care of getting my cat out of my office before he gets a little crazy. Hello, beautiful lady. I've been meaning to find five minutes to reach out to you to thank you from the bottom of my heart and Mary Krause, who I call the Countess, for the two beautiful books. I'm dying to get in and really dig into your first book. My surgery's on hold right now because we know how finances go. Um, But I wanted to let you know I would like to buy one of the children's books. One of my dear, dear friends uh, lost her husband Saturday. He's only 33 years old to cancer. He found out three weeks ago he had cancer and he's gone. And your book came the same day. And I said, okay, this is not a coincidence whatsoever. And she has, uh, her oldest son is two, her youngest son is one. I did send her a couple of pictures um, of your book. And I said, Stephanie, I'd really love to, to purchase one of these books for you. So let me know how I can purchase it. And if I could have you sign it, and I'll just tell you what their names are to write in the book. It is such a beautiful, beautiful children's book. And it's um, no coincidence, my granddaughters were here too, and when my youngest one was reading through it, she's five, she goes, Gigi, that's all the stuff you tell us all the time, and that's what you tell your clients. And I said, I know, because our angels are always there. Our angels that were not human, that were here, like Uncle Bright. So I would love to know how to purchase this book. Let me know. I'll give you Stephanie's address. Um, She needs all the help she can get. And I know this book will definitely, I'm not giving her mine. I'm like, nope, Mrs. Krause bought that for me, the Countess. So I'm keeping that one to pass down to great-grandchildren at some point. But I would love to be able to purchase another one. I hope you're doing awesome, and I cannot wait to meet you someday. I told Mary, I'm like, oh, my God, I just love this lady. Just let me know where I have to go to purchase it. And I didn't know you were affiliated with Island Breeze. I love my girl over there who's also an angel mama. Her and I got very close a few years ago, and she's doing so well, and I just absolutely adore her. I hope you're doing well. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I always appreciate hearing Carrie's. Uh, testimony about my books. Um, one of my dear friends, Leslie Hoffman, is listening over in her home. She just texted me this morning that she would be listening as she's doing her walking. And Leslie is one of my biggest proponents. I might have to start giving her commission because she's been promoting my latest book, A Journey with Angels, on all of her live events. And um, Leslie and I will be doing a woman's retreat 
next year, early next spring, and it will be announced on my Facebook page as well as hers, as well as other locations. Um, We're ironing out all the details now and getting ready to gear up and start promoting this, but it is going to be a fabulous woman's retreat, and we will be talking about the angels then, and that's what I'm doing today. If I have any callers, I will take them as in the order they come in because what I'm doing, I went on a walk the other day in my neighborhood. We have a little free library and I, I like to stop by there every now and then and see what's what, you know, see what's happening. And I found this cute little book. Um, it's a little bit smaller than my go with angels book, but it's the same premise. Um, she has, more pages, but she also has uh, references in the back, Bible references that I didn't put in mind. She has a bibliography of, of where she found stories, I guess. The stories that I wrote in Go With Angels are all personal stories. It's a memoir, and they're all true stories about near-death experiences and other angelic encounters. And this is some similar but I wanted to share it with you because I just found it at the library and I thought well that's a sign that I need to share more stories I like sharing my own stories and I've done many of those on the show not all of them but I've I've read several of them Um, I want to share from Hope McDonald's book that was written in 1982 so people have been writing about angels for many many years Um, everybody has their own unique perspective and that's great that's because the angels are like us they're individuals and they work with us on an individual level her first story that I'm going to read today is called about angels my first encounter with an angel happened when I was four years old which is interesting because my mother told me that was the first time that she knew I was talking to angels My sister Marilyn was eight at the time, and my parents had driven her to school that day. An hour later, I watched as they carried her back into the house, covered with blood and bruises. They laid her on the couch until the doctor arrived. In attempting to cross the street near school that morning, she had darted into the path of an oncoming car and had been thrown 20 feet into the air. When she hit the pavement, My parents watched helplessly as she rolled full speed toward a large, uncovered open sewer. But instead of falling in, as everyone expected, she suddenly stopped right at the edge of the sewer. Later, my parents related this story to the doctor. They all shook their heads in amazement. How could she have stopped so suddenly at the very edge of the sewer when she had been rolling so fast? In a voice filled with surprise, My sister spoke up from the couch and said, but didn't you see that large, beautiful angel standing in the sewer, holding up her hands to keep me from rolling in? I have never forgotten that incident from my childhood, even though it happened many years ago. Three years ago, I decided I would do some research on the subject. I began to ask people every place I went if they had ever seen an angel. 
My first story came not long after when my husband and I were having dinner in Washington, D.C. I asked my friends at the table if anyone knew an angel story. All of them said no, but an interesting conversation followed that question, as it always does. By the time we were served dessert, Bob, who was sitting across the table from me, said, "Uh, Yes, Hope, I have an angel story. That was the beginning. These past three years, every place I go, and each time I speak around the country, I always ask if anyone has an angel story. The surprising thing is that in every large, every group, whether there are five people or 1,000 people, there's usually someone who has a story to tell. They often start out by saying, well, this may not be what you're looking for, but, and then they proceed to tell the story. Most of them have three things in common. They have never shared their story with anyone. They felt the experience had made a great difference in their lives. And they all thanked me for giving them the opportunity to share their angel story. The stories in this book were chosen from hundreds I collected during these past three years from people in every walk of life. Some are from presidents of large firms. Others are from dentists, pastors, missionaries, homemakers, students, and other career people. They are all from intelligent, sophisticated people. I am convinced that these stories are real experiences from these people's lives. You'll be strengthened and encouraged, as I was, as you read how God ministered to them by sending his angels. Now, I want to interject something from me, Mary, not Hope, the author of this story. She mentions that they're all intelligent, sophisticated people. I don't think that's a requirement to be able to see angels. You might not have graduated from high school for some reason. You may not have a degree on your wall. You might not be what some would consider sophisticated. But the angels don't differentiate and determine. I think what she was trying to do was legitimize these stories by saying they came from intelligent, sophisticated people. But less intelligent, less sophisticated people see angels and interact with them constantly. I think I'm living proof of that Um, because I was not, I've always been intelligent. I'm not going to deny that, but I've not always been sophisticated. And some would argue today that I'm not very sophisticated. Um, The point is, I think anybody, anywhere in any walk of life has the opportunity to encounter angels. And I'm going to go back to reading. Along with interviewing people, I knew it was imperative that I read all the books I could find about angels. Now I'm going to add another little sidebar here. I've never felt that it was important for me to read the books that other people have written because my encounters, my experiences, my inspiration are my own. And I will add here, the Go With Angels book, that I, the first book that I wrote more than 40 years ago, I know Leslie's getting tired of hearing my stories, Uh, but I wrote it more than 40 years ago. And Leslie was a key proponent for me finishing that book because the angels told her, tell Mary she needs to finish her book. And eventually, after a while, I did. But once I finished that book, it was as if the angels said, okay, now you're listening. We understand you're paying attention. 
we've got some work for you. And in the last year, I have published three books about angels. The first one was a memoir. The second one was a children's book. The third one is a combination information and journal. It's like a workbook almost. There are places where I ask you important questions and then give you space to answer them. But it is I one of my fastest books that I've ever created, and it's also one of the most joy-filled projects I've ever worked on. Now I'm going to go back to reading from Hope McDonald. Um, Can you imagine my surprise when I walked into one of the finest bookstores in Chicago and discovered only two books on the subject? I'm not surprised. I found this to be true in every bookstore I visited. The most I could come up with in my entire search for books on angels was eight books. Now, this was 1982. Here in 2023, I'm sure there are a lot more books about angels and angelic encounters. In fact, I've been reading to you from my book, now Hope McDonald's, and I've read from Reader's Digest, which has an entire um, monthly issue dedicated to angels. Yet in the same search, I discovered hundreds of books about the devil, demons, witchcraft, and the occult. Entire sections of bookstores were devoted to them. I was surprised that so much had been written about the devil and his domain and so little had been written about God's angels. I noticed the same phenomenon as I traveled around the world. While in Scotland last summer, my husband and I visited one of the larger bookstores. We discovered shelf after shelf of books about the devil and the occult, but one book in the entire store about angels. Our movies and television screens abound with stories of demonic possession. Rock groups insidiously take up the same refrain. One of the top songs of all the charts not long ago was entitled Sympathy for the Devil. If I'm not mistaken, folks, I think that was from um, the Rolling Stones, who are still, after 70 years of performing, are still out there making new songs. Um, not saying that's because of their um, songs about the devil, but who knows. Anyway, back to my reading. What has happened to produce such a morbid curiosity in the occult? It has been estimated that there are over 250,000 witches in the United States alone. Not that that's a bad thing. Some witches are pretty cool. I know a few. Some universities now offer classes in witchcraft. When I attended school, science was the golden calf. We were taught to believe only what we could see and dissect. Where has all this macabre interest in the occult come from? I believe that the drug culture, which sprang up in our country in the 60s, prepared the way for the occult as we know it today. And yet, Madam McDonald, uh, there are many, many wonderful light workers who work with plant medicinal um, things that are considered drugs, like ayahuasca. And uh, there are many other things out there, but that's the first one that comes to my mind. There is simply no way. I wish I could come up with two different voices so you'd know when I'm just throwing in my editorial comment here. I'm going to have to work on that. There is simply no way we could have gone from the happy-go-lucky days of the 50s into the senseless insanity of the cult of the 70s without the way being paid by satanic drug culture. Oh, boy. Maybe this book is not uh, in light of my stuff. The first story was actually very cute. 
And if as let me see if I can just um, skip over some of this because I really don't want to have her. She's oh go she goes in here fairies and elves and goblins and leprechauns in a very negative way. So I'm going to skip over a little bit here, and um, let's see what she says here. This is how our angel story happened. We were engaged and planned to be married the following summer. Harry was attending seminar. Of course he was. Several hundred miles from my home. During spring break, I took a bus and went to visit him for a week. I stayed in the home of a lady he knew who was full-time Christian work. She was a dynamic woman of God and greatly respected by all. Yet somehow we didn't get along too well. Judgmental, maybe? I was very shy and found it difficult to think of anything important to talk about with her. The day before I was to return home, she sat down with Harry and me and told him he ought to seriously... Wait a minute, let me back up. She sat down with Harry and told him he ought to seriously reconsider his decision to marry me. She felt I was too quiet and immature and that I could possibly ruin his ministry. Coming from someone he respected so much this greatly disturbed Harry. That night, Harry and I went out for dinner, and Beverly, a school friend of mine I hadn't seen for several years. Beverly and I got very silly as we reminisced together about old friends and experiences. It seemed we laughed through the entire meal. Later in the evening, we went bowling. This turned into a real disaster because Harry is an excellent bowler, and Beverly and I seemed to throw more balls in the gutter than we did down the lane. Each gutter ball sent us howling with laughter. And there was Harry looking at me in light of what he had been told that morning. And he didn't think anything about the entire evening was funny. Poor Harry. I knew by the time we reached the house where I was staying that he was greatly troubled about something. He returned to his small attic room and spent a sleepless night in prayer. Hmm. Maybe it was sleepless, but if you were praying, it should have been restful. He knew God had called him into the ministry and it was important to have the right woman in his life as his partner. Was I really the one for him? Was I too shy? Was I too immature? Our last day together, we had a picnic in one of the lovely parks near his seminary. The air was filled with the sunshine of a summer morning and the gardens were alive with a rainbow of flowers. But a dark shadow seemed to have fallen on our day. I knew something was wrong. After we finished our lunch, he began to share his troubled thoughts with me. We spent most of the afternoon walking through the park and talking about these new problems that had arisen in our relationship. In the end, I felt it only fair to return the engagement ring, aww, until he had more time to think it over. I had never dreamed it would, he would take the ring back, but he did. As he put it in his pocket, my heart grew cold and heavy. I knew that when I got on the bus and returned to my hometown, I would never see him again. Somehow we got through the dinner his landlady prepared for us that night. Just before he was to drive me to the bus station, he said, let's pray about this once more. And we went upstairs into the old, cold attic room where he lived. He knelt down on one side of the bed and I knelt on the other. And with sad, troubled hearts, we began to pray. As we prayed... The room was filled with a majestic presence and a force of energy so strong we both felt it. Harry stopped right in the middle of his prayer and we both looked over toward the door. There we saw a gloriously shining figure standing by the open door. 
A sense of quietness filled with worship and glory fell upon us. The figure moved slowly across the room and stood at the foot of the bed with outstretched arms. We felt the gentle touch of God's blessing upon us like a breath of warm sunshine. A soft glow of loving light seemed to permeate the room and a feeling of great tenderness flowed from the presence. We didn't hear any audible voice, but a strong sense of communication passed between us, assuring us that God wanted us together. No words were needed. We understood the message clearly, and then the figure was gone, and we were left with a warm and peaceful feeling so deep in our hearts that it has never left us, even though that happened 34 years ago. Now, that was in 1982. What did the angel look like? I don't know. We were only aware of an eternal presence bathed in a pearly white glow of splendor. And although no voice was heard, the light communicated to our souls through the message that God's hand of blessing was on our lives together. There has never been a doubt in either of our minds about what happened in that little attic room so long ago. We never questioned if we had seen an angel or if the presence was real. We knew in our hearts it was real. It had happened. Well, she's just restored my faith in her little storybook because I need to take a quick break, grab a a drink of tea here. I'm going to play something for you and I will be right back. Uh, Hold on, just some music. enough of that. Now, I want to share another story with you. Along those same lines, it is a story that I wrote in Go With Angels, and really and truly, it is very similar to what she talked about, but very different as well, because in my book, I talk about angels and other entities. This story is called BJ and Bud. Well, actually, it's called Bud and BJ. In the late 1990s, when it was still uncommon for most people to own personal computers, I did. David, my youngest brother, did too. He had moved to Arizona, the sole custodian of three small children, after his wife divorced him. David and I had always been close, so he often called or emailed me for advice. One day he suggested I download an application called ICQ so we could chat in real time saving money on long-distance phone calls. David and I took full advantage of this free communication option, and despite the time zones that separated us, we grew even closer. I confided in him as my marriage started crumbling around me, and I even entertained the idea of taking a leave of absence from my job and my marriage 
to help David and his children. My own sons were already practically grown. The youngest was um, 18, 17, 17 or 18 at the time. All the well-intentioned plans we create can blow out of proportion when we don't consider all the people who might have input into these plans. This was the case when my ex announced that before he would consent for me to go to Arizona to be my brother's nanny, he wanted to take me to Mexico for what would become, as he called it, our second honeymoon or our divorce party. He also cautioned me that moving to Arizona might have unwanted consequences because you never really know what's on your brother's mind. He proceeded to warn me that my brother could have nefarious objectives for me already lined up with his male friends. <laughs> he doesn't know my brother. Whoa, that came out of nowhere. But many of my ex's comments at that time felt more like gut punches than advice. I agreed to go to Mexico, thinking that a second honeymoon would be the perfect way to start the next half of our marriage. Unfortunately, the more I was alone with the man, the more I wanted to leave him. He wanted to show me off while challenging any other man who looked at me. This wasn't the happy honeymoon I'd hoped for. And within a week of our return, I moved out. After I visited my mother to tell her of my rapid decision to terminate my marriage, I called each of my seven, seven siblings. David was super supportive and reminded me that ICQ chats cost less than phone calls and that his door was always open for me. As I settled into a new routine in my new position at work and my home, I filled my nights by chatting online with people from around the world and, of course, my brother David. The program had an option to chat with someone directly or to engage in random chats, which is how I met Curtis, the man I call my best husband. Like most of today's social platforms, ICQ gave people the option to create user profiles. Curtis has told me that one part of my profile intrigued him enough to respond to my request to chat. When asked for my favorite quote, I had written, go with God and drive with angels. Curtis later said he didn't usually acknowledge random chat responses, and he had considered ignoring me completely or to reply with sarcasm. He wasn't interested in engaging in small talk with a strange woman. He said his intuition led him to read my profile, and since his deceased mother had often told him she surrounded him with angels, he thought it might be interesting to see what I wanted. That moment led to several months of online discussions before we agreed to meet in person. And since we lived in two different states, Curtis and I agreed to meet at a very public place halfway. We each drove almost three hours to the restaurant where we had planned to meet for lunch. We stood in the parking lot until it was time to go. And we didn't eat that day. The chemistry between us was so strong and we felt so connected it was difficult to say goodbye. For more than 18 months, we built our relationship on ICQ, on the telephone, and in person when possible. The six hours between us meant we didn't date in the conventional sense. So when Curtis called to ask how I'd feel about moving with him to Atlanta, I decided to continue our unorthodox relationship. I think we may have known each other well by this time, but we had not been physically together for more than a weekend or two every few months. Our relationship went through some tough times quickly. 
My mother told me that I could always come home to her if things soured. She was wise enough to know that most relationships have issues and ours would be no different. There were times I thought about leaving him, if only for a short break. But whenever I'd reach for my suitcase, I felt as if a gentle hand was holding me back. I didn't understand until the day I saw a vision. Curtis and I had had a loud argument about who knows what, and I told myself I'd had enough. I was packing a bag, and I'd leave him wondering where I was for a few days. Even if I just checked into a hotel for the weekend, I felt I needed to put some space between us. Both of us being Aquarius meant we're both headstrong and don't usually bend easily when confronted. And my friend Leslie can tell you I am stubborn, I am hard-headed, I am obstinate. I'm working on that too, though, through the angel's help. When I reached for the overnight bag on the closet shelf, I felt that same gentle hand guiding my hand down, and I walked out of the closet really confused. I walked through the apartment, stood on the balcony for a while, watching the sunlight on the pool. As I turned to go back inside, I saw my father and Curtis's mother holding hands. I knew I didn't actually see them with my eyes, but I was seeing a spiritual vision. My father had died in 1984. Curtis's mother crossed over in 1991. The year I saw the division was 2001. I don't think our parents had ever met before they died, but here they were, holding hands. Their other arms were outstretched, beckoning for a group hug. In an instant, I knew that Bud, my daddy, and BJ, Curtis's mom, had helped us connect on ICQ. This was more a knowing than a hearing, yet I felt strongly that BJ said, we put you two together for a reason. And my father said, give him time. I'm happy I listened to them. 22 years later, now 23, Curtis and I are still together, more in love than we were then, supporting each other. We still send each other random chat requests, though not on ICQ. We just text each other now. Bud and BJ may not be angels, but they have definitely been working like the angels do. I wonder if you've ever seen or heard your departed loved ones. And I'll tell you, if you haven't and if you would like to, my friend Leslie Hoffman, Leslie J. Hoffman on Facebook, can help you with that. She gives private readings over Zoom. Um, no matter where you are in the world. And she does them in person in Central Florida. But if you want to know more about Leslie or you want to talk with me about angels, just reach out to me. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Angel Author. You can also find me um, other places, just Mary Brotherton. Look for the one with the blue hair. That's kind of my trademark change color from time to time, but blue is my profile picture. Um, Not on Facebook, though. Who knows what that's going to be? Anyway, um, I want to say, reach out to me. You can email me at authormarybrotherton at gmail.com. I can put you in touch with Leslie, and she can talk to you about how much she charges 
And I will tell you another quick little story about Leslie and and the books and how um, she helped me actually find myself without even, well, she might have known what she was doing, but I don't know. Um, I met Leslie many years ago when I was a reporter for a little local newspaper, and I was asked to write an article about an animal sanctuary and some of its donors. Well, Leslie was involved with helping steer one of the donors toward the animal sanctuary because Leslie also can intuitively speak with animals. Anyway, she and I got into a conversation over the phone about this donation and about the animal sanctuary and what made it so special. I wrote the article and it was great. It was well-received. So well received, in fact, by the sanctuary that I was hired by the sanctuary. I was also volunteering, but I, um, I volunteered as a publicist and helped them with press releases, but I also was paid to work as their events coordinator. So it was at one of these events that I ran into Leslie the second time. I knew her from her photo and also because um, she had a picture of one of the sanctuary's donkeys named Jesse. It was one of her um, profile pictures on Facebook at the time. So when I saw Leslie with the the poster of, of Jesse, I waved at her. I spoke to her briefly, and that was kind of it. Well, I was ready to leave that day, and then I had a tap on the shoulder. It really felt like a little feather. It was so light. And it was Leslie. I, I turned around. She said, I have a message for you if you care to hear it. And I said, well, I have two ears. She said, I mean, you need to really listen to this. Now, I will tell you, Leslie has uh, told me that she doesn't do that anymore. She doesn't reach out to people. She's worked it out with the angels that if you want me to deliver this message, you make sure that person reaches out to me first. Because it can be kind of scary for some people to have a random stranger come up to you at an event or grocery store or whatever and say, hey, the angels have a message for you. And I know that Leslie has told me that if she doesn't deliver these messages, the angels will wake her up at 4 o'clock in the morning and say, why didn't you talk to her? So I, um, I heard the message. I received it, and I kind of ignored it because it was a little difficult because as soon as she started giving me this message in public, the founder of the sanctuary came over, and she heard the message, and she heard the angels telling Leslie to tell me, or heard Leslie telling me that the angels told her, whatever, that I needed to finish my book. And, of course, I tend to argue with a a lamppost, even my husband says, so I try not to be so contrary, but I guess I have to live up to my name. But I immediately said, well, which book? I've got 20 or more. And the answer came back immediately, you know which book. Well, I did, but I didn't think it was ready to finish. But I didn't realize that finish your book meant work on your book more. So I I did add a few more stories to go with angels. Didn't have the title quite perfected yet but I was close to it I 
I knew I wanted to have go with God and drive with angels, but that was just too long of a title for a book. Uh, So Leslie kept insisting that day, really insisting that the angels were insisting that they were serious. I needed to finish the book. Now that would have been in 20, 2017, 2016 or 2017. Think of 17. Because in 2018, I left the sanctuary and started Be Unique. Not immediately. Um, Be Unique wasn't even on my radar when I left the sanctuary. But it was close. It was. I was thinking about something. And I didn't know exactly what it was. So that was 2017, we'll say. And then 2018 comes along. I start Be Unique. And Leslie's giving me my congratulations on the beginning. And then she said, and the angels want to know where you are on your book. I'm like, oh, I'm working on it. Well, I really wasn't. I kind of got sidetracked with Be Unique. There's a lot involved in starting a charity. And I really love working for this charity. Um, I know that it's changing. I feel it. I sense it. Leslie has told me that it's changing. I've got to remember to change with it. And we're going to see where it takes us. Um, it, it's Anyway, the, the point is, Leslie told me the angels want you to finish that book. And here you are a year later, you still haven't finished it. Then I met another woman who's also psychic, and she said, you need to finish your book. And I said, yeah, you're not the, second, you're not the first psychic to tell me that. And then I had an experience where the same time that um, all this was going on, Leslie was telling me to finish the book. The other psychic was telling me to finish the book. And then I had a vision myself of a deceased nun, Sister David, said, I want you to finish your book. And I snappy said, which book? And she said, you know which book, the book about angels. And I said, well, it's not finished. And she said, it is. You have enough stories, put it out. The world needs to read your book. Get it out now. And so I said, okay. That was probably in 2019, maybe 2020. Still hadn't finished the book. And then God sent me a very challenging earth angel in the name of Martha Watts. She's written for Be Unique, and she's become one of my editing clients. She's a dear, dear friend. She challenged me one day. She said, you're such a good writer. Why haven't you published a book yet? I said, well, you know, I've got 20 I could get out in a heartbeat. She said, then do one. Pick one and get it out. I said, well, I don't know which one to start. She said, just pick one. She said, it doesn't matter which one. Just get published. Get it done. Once you get started, you won't regret it. She said, in fact, I'm going to challenge you. I challenge you to spend the next two weeks researching what you need to do to get your book out there on Kindle. And I thought, "Mm, I don't want to do that. That's connected to Amazon. And no offense, Amazon, but I don't want you taking all my profits. So I finished the book, and then my colleague Jennifer and I talked about it. 
And we decided to be unique. Already a publisher, we've been publishing magazines for, um, at that point, four years. We'd been publishing magazines. And we published blogs and created films and created podcasts. Why couldn't we publish books too? So Jennifer helped me format a very small print. Um, And I am going to create Go With Angels as a large print book um, that's on my radar, added to many other things. But I, um, I said, how about we just start publishing books? And I figured it would be an outlet for me to have my books published without creating my own publishing house. So that's what I started doing. And that was the beginning of Go With Angels, which is where I read the story Bud and BJ. Memoirs, stories about real events with angels or other entities that have come back from heaven to talk to us. And heaven or the spirit world, whatever you want to call it. Lots of different ways to refer to all this. The um, angel book was finished and I was I had started selling it. Two weeks after I had the first copy in my hand, my niece called me to order a second copy because her granddaughter kept taking her copy. And as I was talking to my niece, I heard a voice say, Mary, I want you to write a book about angels for children. And I told Stephanie that I had to do that. And I created my angel book because She told me that her granddaughter, Skylar, kept saying, it's my angel book. It's my angel book. It's not yours. And Skylar was only three at the time. So I created this little book uh, using AI to create the images. I'm not going to get into all the details because it's really involved. Um, But I created that book. And when I finished that book, I held my first copy in my hand. A friend visited from Tennessee. She was looking at my little book. And she said, I want to order one. And I said, okay. And she said, you know, I've written a children's book, too, but I haven't illustrated it yet. I can't find an illustrator who will stick with me long enough to do more than just one or two pages. And I said, oh, well, I can illustrate it for you. And then I promptly got busy with Be Unique and Metafest. And for a month, I didn't didn't do anything with her book. And then one morning after Metafest was over, I woke up with this thought, you need to call Linda. And tell her you'll illustrate her book. So I did. And the woman broke out in tears. She said, Mary, I just told God, thank you for the experience, but I think I'm going to put this on hold because I can't, I'm too old to try to work with it anymore. And I don't have the energy to look for other illustrators. And I said, nope, that's not the way it's going to be because I'm going to illustrate your book for you. So it took me 40 years to create Go With Angels. It took me four months to create my angel book. It took nine weeks to finish Linda's Cornfield Flyers. And then she introduced me to a woman named Pamela Dowdy, who had written a book 20 years ago, a little poem called Squeaky the Feasting Mouse. I showed Pamela what I could do with AI to create pictures, and we worked together for about six weeks and created her little book. And then all of a sudden, I woke up one morning 
thinking, I need to write a book called A Journey with Angels. And I did. I don't, I don't remember how long it took me to write the book as I didn't really keep a record of it. I could go back and look at my calendar. But I want to say it was just a couple of months. I worked on this book religiously day and night. And the book is, um, like I said earlier in the show, it's a book about 23 different angels. It tells you things about them, um, how to use crystals to communicate with different angels, what lights those angels vibrate in, what frequency they work with on your chakra, a lot of different tidbits that you wouldn't normally know. And I achieved this through research because there is a lot more out on the Internet and in bookstores than there was in 1982. A lot more information. So I found information about various angels. Some were brand new to me. A lot of them were familiar names, but a lot of them were brand new. And then, of course, I have interspersed it with my personal knowledge of angels, my angels and other people's angels. It's not so much a storybook as it is a book that is a guide to your communication with your angels. So there are several pages of info, just information about Archangel Michael, Raphael, Gabriel, Uriel, Azriel, Ariel, Zadkiel, Jegadol. I said that wrong, but that's okay. He understands who I am. Haniel. So 23 different angels I work with. And one of my favorites, is Raquel because I've been working with him at night to help me and my husband sleep better. Um, and I've been sleeping really well, but it also carries over into the day sometimes. So I've got to be careful um, that I don't oversleep. And I, um, I work with Raquel for sleeping. And I work with Jay Goodell on career. He is your, your work angel. So there are a lot of angels mentioned in this book, but after every angel page, every angel chapter, I guess you'd say, there is at least one page for you to journal your questions, your experiences, um, your prayers. And then at the back of the book, there are more pages to journal. Now, the beautiful thing that I really like about this book, it's large print. And you don't have to strain your eyes like you do some of my my other my first book. Um, it's a large print medium. It's got wide borders that you can etch dates and notes in, and it's definitely something that I was inspired to write. It wasn't something I've been working on for years. However, um, the angels have told me that it's also time now for me to finish my. My second novel I've ever written, but it's my first novel I will publish. And this book is called Steep Steps. It is not about angels. There may be an angel or two mentioned, um, kind of like, oh, well, you're, you're an angel for doing that kind of thing. But um, not, not per se um, angels. It's a book about sex addiction, the 12-step program, and one man's abuse of power. So it's a little darker than my normal books. And I considered 
writing it under a pen name because I thought about um, would this muddy up my my reputation as the angel author? Will people stop buying my angel books because I've written a novel that has to do very um, kind of graphically with sex and sex addiction and sex abuse? Um, and I was told no. Be your genuine self. Do not try to change your name. Be who you are. People will love your books because they love you. And there are lessons that can be learned. You can just read the book for entertainment purposes, but I think you will learn a lot about yourself, about the people in your life. And when you read it, you'll be like, oh, okay, I got it. Because um, that book is actually based on several real incidents in my life. And they're not fun things. They're not things I'm proud of. But they are things that actually happened to me. And I think they happened to me so that I could write this book. And the, the purpose of writing this book is to educate people that, Sex addiction is a disease. And with that, I think I've hit the, the rock bottom of today's show. I went from light and airy to a little less airy. And I want you to know that I appreciate you listening. Um, next week, I'll be back with more stories. Hopefully, I'll have more callers. If not, then we'll just tell stories. I appreciate you all. I want you, everyone, to go with God and walk, talk, drive, fly, sail, whatever you do, however you motivate yourself through this world, go with angels. Thanks for listening to Go With Angels with Mary Brotherton. If you want to order a copy of Go With Angels, just reach out to mary at beunique.org for details. That's B U N. E-K-E dot org. And be sure to tune in every Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time for more stories about angelic encounters. Follow Be Unique Radio on Blog Talk Radio so you don't miss a single episode.